0: I love troubleshooting server issues, said no e-commerce entrepreneur ever, (laughs) and that's why I'm personally migrating my stores to Shopify. Since Shopify is a hosted service, I can worry about growing my business versus troubleshooting problems, like a Magento problem I had that logged every single customer interaction and brought my site to a standstill. I wouldn't have wasted a day troubleshooting that on Shopify. And compared to other hosted carts, Shopify has the largest ecosystem of developers and apps and the best architected design framework. Officially retire as a system admin, shopify.com. Welcome to the e commerce fuel podcast, your headquarters for building a six figure plus e commerce business. I'm your host, e commerce entrepreneur, and Jeff Bezos wannabe, Andrew Yadari. Hey guys, it's Andrew here, and welcome to the E-Commerce Fuel Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Today I've got Mr. Bill D'Alessandro on the show once again, and we're gonna be talking about uh, things, what's going on in our life, real quickly, a quick little update in terms of business. But the main attraction is a news update. So, what's been going on? We haven't done one for a couple months. A couple interesting little things, little nuggets going on in the world of e-commerce, as well as chatting about some of the more interesting forum discussions we've had in the private community. Mr. Bill, how you doing, sir? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And I was telling you before we hopped on here, but we made our first official sale using uh, Order Circle, your new launched SaaS app for uh, kind of wholesale ordering. It uh, it worked pretty slick. Great. Thanks, man. I'm glad you guys are liking it. And you've got, man, you're got a bunch of stuff going on there and you're raising, uh, it sounds like you're bringing on customers and you're raising, uh, raising around a seed funding, right?
1: Yep. For order circle where, uh, we've got a good number of customers on it now, some big brands, some folks you might've heard of. I can't, I shared with you privately, but I cannot share publicly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but really the highlight is, uh, is right channel radios for sure though. as as far as the customer list. Um, Yeah. So (laughs)
0: much, so much prestige
1: in CB radios. Yeah. So we're, uh, yeah, we're raising a a funding round for order circle
0: at the moment. So have you, have you ever done this before? Do you know how this works? Or are you just kind of, just kind of learning as you go? Uh, learning as I go, I've not raised a, you know, traditional
1: kind of seed or institutional VC round in the past. I've worked in private equity and investment banking before and Raise a little bit of, you know, private money for miscellaneous other stuff. But as far as like a real Silicon Valley style venture round, this is my first, first merry go round. So I've been meeting with a lot of folks here in Boulder, you know, to kind of learn how the process is done. People have been really helpful.
0: That's so cool. So that's really cool. So. So seed round is going to be like, if you've got the whole hierarchy, you've had seed round at the very beginning and seed round. Is that kind of like angel? Cause you have seed angel and then you have like full on venture capitalist, a step above that. Is that right? Or am I thinking? Of that? Yeah, right?
1: no, that's right. So a seed round, you know, which is kind of what we're targeting, which is, you know, typically like in the half million dollar range and you can get it from anywhere between, you know, like one and 10 or 20 individual angels. Ideally you have one lead who takes down most of the round and then, They they have friends and you can fill it out with other folks. Or if you want to do more than that, you can do, you know, kind of like a million dollars, really more classic series A round with a traditional institutional VC firm, which is that kind of commits you to like a different level of rocket ship where you need to, you know, really hit that 100 X type growth or or flame out. And so we really want to start with the seed round, where we can, you know, because we have proved the concept. But I don't want to have to commit to doing something to being a billion dollar company inside of twelve months or something. And typically, the angels are a bit more tolerant as you figure out your
0: business model. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So, are you looking if there's someone, someone's listening and they've got just way too much money and they, they're looking for an investment? Are you looking for one off investors if people want to get a hold of you? I think if I say yes, the SEC will come break down my door. <laughs> <laughs> Break down both our doors So yes. maybe, maybe we'll edit this out Maybe, maybe uh, we'll just remove this whole thing <laughs> I, I think
1: as long as I say here That I am not actively soliciting investors I'm okay mm-hmm.
0: I'm sorry. Did you say you are not actively? I am not. Okay, if you're just, listening, just, Uncle just, Sam. Just, just wanted to clarify <laughs> there. But yeah, if for any other purposes you'd like to get a hold of Bill, he's at at Bill D A. But of course, not for investing. Yes. So, <laughs> so Bill, we uh, we just we launched the Right Channel Radio's website last Sunday. Last Sunday was one of those all weekend long crunching what can get pushed off because we're behind. We want to launch on a Sunday night. So nobody sees what goes wrong if we crash everything kind of weekends. And, uh, it's been about a week now since the the new site has been alive. It's been crazy.
1: It's gorgeous, man. I love your new site.
0: Yeah. Thanks, man. It's, it's Carson over at, at Shopify custom and his team did. I mean, that was none of my work. That was all him, but it's, man, I tell you, I don't know if I told you this, but it's launching a new website. it's, it's, I mean, you really need to, we're still waiting. We're still, we've, we've still got a bunch of stuff that we need to get in place. And when we, to measure the final results, which will be, you know, coming out in the next uh, two to four weeks, you kind of, you, you got to make sure you control for things and the same type of periods, but the first day or two, it comes out. Uh, I don't think I've watched live analytics on a website and in terms of watching people like going through the cart and adding things to their cart as closely as I have since I started the entire business. Like I was, I spent like five hours that first day just watching people go through and cheering them on, being like, go, 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 right. to the <laughs> Nice. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. So it's just, I, I, it's been quite the emotional roller coaster. So anyone out there who has done a redesign or a migration or is in the middle of one, uh, I feel you. It, it, it's, uh, it's, it's quite the manic experience. So
1: yeah, I know I'll be doing the same thing uh, here shortly.
0: Yeah, because you, you're doing, you're in the middle of doing, you're redesigning a bunch of your, migrating a lot of your different platforms to the same. I, all, of I, all, all of them, all of them. That was a terrible I'm, queue up. What are you doing? I, I am in the
1: process of moving every single site I own, which is four different e-commerce sites, including one that I just bought last week, unifying them all on AmeriCommerce, okay. um, which I'm pretty psyched about given their, uh, I mean, we're on big, a combination of BigCommerce and Shopify and a few other ones right now. All of which have their strengths, but the big win for AmeriCommerce for me was that it gives me a unified backend. So I can see all the orders from all the stores in one place and do one API integration uh, with all, you know, with all of our other systems. So it really unifies my life. And makes it a lot simpler.
0: Ah, just one dashboard. One dashboard, and
1: it and it gives me a chance to you know because you basically have to redesign a site to move platforms, so it gives me a chance now to make a lot of the tweaks across all of my properties that I've been wanting to do for a while, but nice. that didn't kind of merit a full redesign on their own.
0: Jeez, man, I'm complaining about one redesign. You got four migrations coming up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a big job. I'm doing them two yeah. at a two at a time, so. It's going to be busy. It's crazy. Yeah, we've been on, I guess it's only been about a week since we've been on Shopify, but uh, it's been it's been really nice. Like The back end is really, is so much nicer than As I was getting some of our team members, uh, we were kind of talking Friday before the, the site went live and we haven't had a chance to do any of the SOPs. We haven't had a chance to do a whole lot of formal training. And it hasn't been, I mean, there's still a lot of stuff we need to standardize still, but it's been a pretty smooth transition in terms of just, it's, it's super, super simple to figure out how stuff works back there and and, and mm-hmm. find your way around. And from the, uh, the Magento dashboard, which can be a, kind of a clustered place it uh, it's a nice change of pace. Sure. I, I do really like the Shopify backend. It's nice. So we've got a uh, news update, kind of some of the the big things that have happened in the world the last, last six weeks, six, eight weeks or so for e-commerce. So, First one I want to dive into, Bill, is a company called Jet. And I hadn't heard of these until actually uh, Drew uh, Drew Snockey sent this over to me. And uh, the founders of Diaper.com, they eventually ultimately sold to Amazon. Uh, And I think the founders ended up uh, working for Amazon for a while, and they left to start Jet.com. It's opening in January. I think they raised like $80 bucks, or it did open in January, rather and the the model is kind of funky it's like kind of a costco model for for e-commerce so they charge $50 a year and i or around that and that's how they're going to make all of their money everything else they're going to pass all their savings on to the consumer. So their prices are supposedly going to be 10 to 15% cheaper than anywhere else. It's really a marketplace too. And they've got a unique thing where they, they try to save people money by doing anything saying, Hey, if you want slower shipping, we can save you money. They look at things like, you know, where are, if you're trying to buy product X, there's 10 suppliers, the one that's closest to you. Oh, if you order from him, you can save, you know, a dollar on, on shipping. So have you heard of this model? Have you heard of this, these guys?
1: Cool. I have actually signed up for Jet a couple months ago when I saw that they had raised a preposterous $80 million Series A before they'd even launched. That I mean, talk about a big swing. So I'm excited to see what they do.
0: Yeah, so you signed up for them already. So, you, I mean, is it more out of curiosity? Do you actually think the model is, is something that uh, could pan out? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm holding back judgment on the model. I'm just curious at this
1: point. I also, they did a really interesting thing with their early, early referral program where, you know, depending on how many people you refer, they were actually like the top 10 people earn 10,000 shares of JET stock, uh, and the top one gets 100,000 shares of stock. Wow. So they're actually giving out ownership based on how many people you're referring, which I thought was pretty cool. That is really cool. Jed, I'm going to have to get signed up for this. It'll be
0: interesting. Are you a Costco member? I would be if there was one nearby. Uh, I love Costco, but there's not really a convenient one for me. So we've got one in town. We're not a member though. I just feel like if, if we were, we'd go and just end up with copious amounts of orange juice and toilet paper that, that would clutter up our house and we
1: would yes. never
0: use. Yes, I go my parents are members
1: and have one. So when I'm like back home, I go with my mom and thank God, you know, I'm like out of out of town and can't like fly back with five jars of peanut butter,
0: <laughs> you know, or whatever it is because I just want to yeah. buy everything. Uh, crazy. So it'll be interesting to see if this this new model works, and uh, especially interesting because they're kind of coming out, you know, coming out of the Amazon machine and uh, and taking it back at them, which which tends to be a little bit of a a theme from some of Amazon's past acquisitions. Uh, yeah, kinda... this was
1: this was the guy that started diapers.com, Quizzy, right? And he yep. worked there for two years and then bailed on him, and now is
0: is coming right at him. Yeah, same thing with with Woot.com. Woot got bought, uh, and then the founder there worked for a couple of years and left and started Meh.com. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. It's yeah. Amazon. It seems to. Can you imagine though, building up a company, selling it, and then sticking around at the kind of the umbrella, the new owner company for more than two or three years? I, I don't. I mean, obviously, the big brand. You know, Amazon wants the founders to come in for continuity and to have a nice seamless transition. But uh, I don't think you. As an entrepreneur, you're just not going to stick around.
1: I don't know. I would do it if you offered me multi-millions of dollars of vesting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Would you? Maybe for a couple years. I could be convinced. You could be convinced? Oh, I don't know. After two or three years, you'd get restless, man. I know Yeah, I probably would. But hopefully by then I was vested. Oh <laughs> uh, so again we'll link up to all of these, the uh, kind of the articles for these on the uh, on the show notes at eCommerceFuel.com if you want to check them out in further depth. And and speaking about ownership and stock ownership, things like that, Shopify the Wall Street Journal is reporting, is preparing for an IPO this spring. It's rumored to be about $100 million, the IPO that is. So they're going to be selling them $100 million of stock at a $1 billion valuation for the company, dual listing on the US and the Canadian stock exchange. And uh, of course, as everyone everyone knows, partnered up with Shopify. I'm a big fan of what they're doing. And when I originally reached out to them to try to see if they were interested in partnering, the first thing I tried to pitch them on was stock options. I said, hey, let's do this partnership, but I don't want to pay, I don't want, you know, I don't want any money in here. Let's talk about getting me some stock options. <laughs> it's worth a try. <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't fly. That didn't didn't work out. But it's going to be interesting seeing them go public. And you know, it has. It's kind of a dual-edged sword, right? Like Shopify. Again, huge fan of what they're doing, but. A lot of companies, when they go public, they get a lot more funds. They can do a lot more things, but also you get a lot more people you can, you have to answer to, and investors. And and one of the things that is so cool about Shopify is a unique culture. If anyone can do it, I think they can be public and keep that culture. But uh, I think that's something people are just a little bit maybe apprehensive about. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm fascinated to read the the S one filing. I would re- kind of the outside observer arc that I've been seeing with Shopify that I thought is really interesting is. When they, when the, and not just Shopify, big commerce as well, but like kind of in the early days of big commerce or of e-commerce, big commerce and Shopify as the two main players kind of got locked in this race to the bottom on price, Uh, and they're undercutting each other, and they end up at this you know twenty-five dollar a month price point roughly. And about a year ago, you could tell they kind of went, "This is not enough money." You know, like there are people making millions and millions of dollars on our platform and paying us twenty-five dollars a month to run it. And it's been really interesting to see how they've tried to reverse course on their pricing. Like both companies have raised their prices. Big Commerce implemented the transaction fees that Shopify has. Uh, Shopify is pushing their pro slash enterprise program, which is like $1,000 a month now, pretty hard. Uh, so I, w- I can't wait to read the S1 and see kind of like how their revenue, pr- their revenue per user has trended over the past couple years, kind of as this price war played out
0: yeah, it'll be fascinating. and an s one for those that may not know it, it's it's when a company files for an IPO, it's a draft of their prospectus and it lets you see into the company all the financials, the growth trends, the you know the the, the risk factors companies sees. It's being able to peek, you know go inside the company and see how they're doing. You'll be able to see their revenue if they're making money, if they're not making money, how many employees they have, it's pretty interesting. So yeah, we may have to do a separate episode just just on that. So number three is Amazon going head to head with Kickstarter. So this is something I got to give a, a hat tip to Lars Hunley in the private forum for the heads up on this one. Amazon apparently has been hiring for kind of putting out job applications for best end to end platform platform. Uh, for startups. Uh, They're saying that's something they want to build in some of their their job listings and or uh, hiring for positions for what they're calling a new platform with inventors. So it'll be interesting. There's a lot of speculation here, but Kickstarter recently dropped Amazon payments for Stripe because Amazon stopped offering that service that Kickstarter was using. So kind of throwing a couple of random tidbits in there, but when you piece a couple of these things together, you wonder if Amazon's working on a Kickstarter-like model. And again, this was something Lars speculated on, so I can't take uh, credit for the original idea, but But what if Amazon goes out there and they do a crowdsource platform like Kickstarter, but the thing is you can use, you know, Amazon will fund the best ideas kind of like they do with TV shows. They put out 10 pilots. They, they, they find the one that the uh, Amazon watchers like the most and then they make it. But let's say you go out there and the, anyone can list a product. You get thousands of submissions of potential products to build out there. And they say, hey, okay, here are the five winners. You can build it. We'll fund you. We'll give you, you know, $100,000 to build it. The only thing is you can only sell it on Amazon. So it'll be interesting. I, I don't know. Can you see that happening, Bill? Uh,
1: I can see it happening. I wonder if it's going to look exactly like Kickstarter. I mean, I totally see the benefit of it. I mean, all the time I see businesses that are for sale or people who have started businesses and they don't even have a website, you know, and they just are selling on Amazon and it's such a great way to get started because there's built in demand and then they have fulfillment by Amazon. So they handle all the fulfillment, they handle all the customer service, all the payment processing and you just get paid. It's fantastic for, you know, an early product company. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about infrastructure. I wonder if they're going to be able to kind of replicate the community feel uh that kickstarter has you know with the with the backers and and bringing updates and making people feel like they're part of it but i think I wouldn't be surprised if it takes more of the form of sort of like a like an on ramp for new companies like, hey, like this is a program whereby you don't have to figure out fulfillment, demand creation, AdWords, designing a website, all that stuff. You focus on your product. We'll do all the rest with the goal of bringing more newer companies onto Amazon so that they will grow to become larger companies on Amazon.
0: Yeah, it'll be, it'll be crazy. you you got to imagine they're going to take some bite out of the, the Kickstarter, Indiegogo you know, type of market business model. I don't think Amazon's seen a business yet that they don't like getting into. <laughs> so, that's true, that's true. <laughs> in some way or another, you guys got to suspect they're going to get in there. So it's interesting to see how that pans out. And finally, speaking of Amazon, uh, an interesting article by Recode.net about Amazon's pricing strategy. And I think there's a perception out there that Amazon is always the lowest price and it's it's something that it's kind of just built into shopping on Amazon, built into people's uh, perception of the brand. But uh, Recode.net came out and they really looked at a lot of evidence saying Amazon a lot of times is not the lowest price seller. Often they will go and Amazon will sell the most popular and the most expensive items at the lowest price. So for whatever segment it could be, whether it's tablets, whether it's horse saddles, whatever it is, those best-selling items that are most visible, they sell at the lowest prices, but the accessories and the items that aren't as popular, they sell at much higher prices a lot of times. And it's interesting because that's that's something that kind of uh, a strategy I took away and something I kind of had to learn the hard way at trollingmotors.net, where people shop so much for, for big ticket items based on uh, the price of that one anchor item. But when it comes to the accessories, they're not nearly as price sensitive. And Amazon sounds like it's doing exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. I've
1: noticed that too, as an Amazon shopper, that more and more Amazon is not the low price leader. I think they used to be more like years ago, but it, recently they're less price competitive, I think.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And it's certainly slowly creep up and, uh, it's, I don't know. I don't know, Bill, maybe, maybe they're starting to realize they actually need to make money so, May- that, you, so that you can win your bet. <laughs> I don't know about that. I
1: don't know, I don't know if they're going to actually make any money. I think they just want more, more money to plow back into <laughs> new stuff.
0: Yeah. Or it could be true as well. So So again, all of these we'll link up to in terms of uh, articles over on on the blog, ecommercefuel.com, as well as just really quickly a handful of interesting forum discussions from the last couple months. First one is UPS and FedEx both substantially increased their shipping rates in January this year. And especially at least on the UPS side, they started doing it in terms of... Uh, weight and, and size. It used to be with UPS, if you ship something that wasn't very heavy but was really big, like an antenna, for example, a CB antenna, it didn't cost you that much because UPS was based primarily on weight. But uh, but now they've brought in uh, other factors to really account for size as well. And so shipping rates are going up a lot. People were, man, people were not happy about that in the forums. Uh, Bill, is that something that, have you seen that? Like with your fulfillment, are you fulfilling everything FBA so it doesn't affect you as much? No, No, we do a lot of our own
1: fulfillment but it hasn't affected us as much because our stuff is, is rather dense. It's shampoo and cream Mm. and stuff. So we don't get, we don't hit that kind of dimensional weight threshold as much. And also our fulfillment company has negotiated a really good divisor, uh, which basically means, so when you think about dimensional weight shipping, it's basically, it's low density items. Those are the ones that get dinged, things that are big, but light. Yeah. And, to figure out density, you have to, there's a divisor. So you have to divide, I think it's length plus width plus height, divided by a certain number. And then you can negotiate with FedEx if you have a lot of volume, that divisor number, so that fewer packages actually trip into, fall into the the dimensional weight. And they've, our fulfillment company has negotiated a good divisor. So I actually haven't seen much impact as far as dim weights, but Separately, UPS and FedEx did their kind of annual rate increases, and they were a couple percent, which hits everybody.
0: Man, well, gas prices are so expensive. You you know you, you gotta assume that shipping prices are gonna be going up. Oh man, they're pocketing all of it. <laughs> Airline ticket prices aren't coming down either. That's how it always works though. What was it? Some economists would say, I don't know, some stickiness. There's some, some, some term for it, but yeah, anytime, anytime prices come down the, uh, the inputs for, for those products, the prices of the consumer come down way, way slower, but when they go up, they go up, you know, the next day. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy. Another interesting form discussion was how to organize your corporate structure when you're running multiple businesses. And this came up kind of with a couple different things in mind. One, how do you do it best if if you're just trying to simplify your your accounting and simplify your your tax filing? But we also got into a really in-depth discussion, if you want to sell a business how do you set up your structure, your, your business structure so that you minimize your tax burden? And I'm not going to go into all the differences between, you know, an asset sale versus a stock sale and things, but a really interesting discussion in terms of, you know, how you set up your business in 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 a way that can, if you sell one part of your business can save you a big chunk of money, at least in the U S on taxes. Hmm. So, and finally, are you, well, Bill, are you, I'm set up like my business. I've got one parent LLC S Corp. And then a, a couple DBAs that all my businesses run under. Are you set up that way or do you actually I'm s- set up that way? Yeah. You I have, have
1: okay. I have a separate LLC for order circle because that's different and we're raising money. Um, so that has to be separate. The IP has to be separate, you know, et cetera. Cause I don't want to have to try to raise money for order circle. And that has nothing to do with elements <laughs> brands. Uh, so that's a separate entity to keep it clean. But as far as elements brands, all of the, all of our brands are all under the same LLC
0: with DBAs. Yeah, uh, it's, it's so much. I mean, not always, if you're going to sell a business, it, it makes sense to do things sometimes the other way, but in terms of taxes and filings, just having that one parent company, oh, it makes things so much easier. Mm-hmm. And then finally, are Facebook ads a waste of time? Uh, I always was slightly skeptical of them until I read this, <laughs> this thread in the form. And there were some really cool examples people were sharing. One example of Someone who was able to get 7,000 emails on their list for $300. Uh, someone else kind of showcased an example of theirs where they had a 12x return on ad spend for their Facebook uh, Facebook ads. So there's some, definitely some good flops as well, but uh, pretty, some, some very cool examples about what can be done with, with Facebook uh, ads and remarketing and, and something that uh, I've been pretty terrible about going after, but uh, people in the forums are, are making a killing with in some levels. So.
1: Interesting. I've I've struck out pretty hard several times on Facebook ads. Uh, I think I think if you look at them the same way you look at adwords, you're probably going to fail. But like that story you just mentioned, where people are using it to drive signups for an email list or likes to a page or something like that. I think you and then you try to sell them later. I think kind of the classic funnel of see an ad, click on it buy something does not work very well on Facebook, but see an ad, click on it, interact in some other way,
0: I think tends to work better. So that's going to do it kind of the wrap up for this week, but, uh, We'd love to have you in the forums if you're not there. If you're doing at least 5000 a monthly revenue as a store owner or you're a professional and you've got a year of experience uh, helping other store owners out, come join us. We'd love to have you. I think we had 1,800 comments la- over the last month, uh, over 100 new discussions, and we got over 500 members. So it's a, it's a really fun community, a lot of great people in there, and uh, we'd love to have you if e-commerce is, is what you eat, breathe, and think like we do. So... Bill, it's been fun as always. Looking forward to, uh, to next time. And thanks, thanks so much for coming on and weighing in, buddy. Absolutely,
1: man. Talk to you soon.
0: That's going to do it for this week. But if you're interested in launching your own e-commerce store, download my free 55-page ebook on niche selection and getting started. And if you're a bit more experienced, look into the eCommerce Fuel private forum. It's a vetted community for store owners with at least 4,000 in monthly sales or industry professionals with at least a year or more experience in the eCommerce space. You can learn more about both the eBook and the forum at eCommerceFuel.com. Thanks so much for listening. And I'm looking forward to seeing you again next Friday.